0: And welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy. I'm so glad you're tuning in today. I want you to imagine that you, me, Kristen, my guest, we're sitting down on the floor, got some cozy pillows and blankets around us. We got a cozy, warm beverage in hand, and we're inviting you in to be a witness to our pregnancy loss stories. And our hope in inviting you in. Is that you leave feeling a little bit less alone in your experience and with a sense of some supportive steps that you could begin to take to process and heal? Before we go any further, though, before we dive in, I want you to take a moment and if you can, put your hand over your heart or if you're driving, just take a moment to ask yourself, Am I ready? Am I ready to hear about someone else's pregnancy loss story? Maybe you are, or maybe you're not. And if you're not today, I want you to listen and trust that part of yourself that's like, I just don't know if I'm there yet. Come back. We'll be here. I'm also offering you a trigger warning. Pregnancy loss is intense. The healing journey is not linear. It's graphic. And we're not holding back in this conversation because we don't want you to feel alone in the intensity of your experience, in the parts of pregnancy loss that no one else really ever talks about. So we're going there today. But I want to give you that warning that there will be graphic elements of pregnancy loss that are described The episode is also marked as explicit because the intensity of the experience for us also called for some adult language, so if little ears are listening, I want you to have that warning as well. Okay, so with all of that in mind, let's take a breath, scooch on in, we're so glad you're tuning in, you ready? Let's go. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human, and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care, and you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hey, Kristen. Hi. It's so good to see your face and to chat with you. In, like, real time, you know, because, I mean, like, we text and we, like, send voice, you know, messages, DMs, but, like, it's not always, like, I don't see your face. It's not always, like, in the real, in real time because of life, and so I'm just so excited to get a chance to chat with you this morning. In real time. Me
1: too. I feel like we're doing we do the voice notes every three days. Is what we do. We're <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I didn't respond to you for three days. It's the mom <laughs> yeah. voice note thing,
0: oh my <laughs> which gosh. I love. Uh, yeah, and it's like there's just there's no like there's no judgment about that. There's no, no like mm-hmm. no, no explanation needed. It's like mm-hmm. <laughs> this is this is just the season of life, and we get it and why I love you so
1: (laughs) yeah I love you too I'm excited
0: (laughs) me too okay so before we dive in I always love to give you a chance and the listener a chance to connect and so could you share just a little bit about yourself Kristen like what you do what lights you up why is this you know why is this topic something that you feel called to talk more about and feel passionate about What's your family like? Tell us all the things.
1: Yeah, well, I am Kristen. I am half of uh, Big Little Feelings on Instagram. We are toddler experts who just kind of help you navigate those really tricky years. And we also just like to connect also on a deeper level with parents, Um it's really 50, 50, 50, 50 toddler tips. And the other half is like, Oh man, are you guys going through this? Cause I am. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and, um, so yeah. And I have, um, two little girls, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and then one more on the way, which is exciting. And, um, you know, we and I got into sort of this line of work. I'm a parent coach. Before that I was a nanny. I worked with kids, in the disability space, Um, it really comes from sort of my own experience, having lived through quite a bit of childhood trauma and needing a lot of therapy in my adult life, which has been so incredibly helpful. But how amazing would it be to kind of shift this generation to not need quite as much therapy? Wouldn't that be great? So that was half of, you know, half of it is always for the kids and changing that generation. And the other half really ties in with, you know, feeling really alone in this season of motherhood. It's hard to make friends. It's hard even when you do make friends. It seems like everything is so perfect and glossy and you're not really talking about the real stuff. So The other half of it is just really cathartic of of feeling less alone. Are you going through this? Has this happened to you? You know, that's the stuff that I just love doing every day.
0: I think that part of why folks are coming to you and to Dina for learning about something like toddler tantrums is I think that in order for us to feel safe enough to – break cycles to change the way that we parent, to learn, right? To like to actually for our brain to actually be open to like taking in information, like integrating it, is we have to not feel alone. Like we're like there's something wrong with us, or like there's like we're the only ones that this happens to behind closed doors. And so what I think is so valuable about your approach is the realness, right? The messiness.
1: And I think also shame, right? Mm. I think shame impedes learning so much. And so when you see really glossy Instagram pages or just reading a book about parenting and it's it feels so unrealistic for your day-to-day life and you just walk away feeling... Shame, you're not even going to make a small attempt at moving forward or a small attempt at, you know, one small tweak that you could make of something that's just bothering you that you wish you could do a little bit better. The shame just is so overwhelming that you just go into the same cycle every single day. So I just, I totally agree. I think it's the realness, but then the realness gives you permission to be like, oh, okay, they're not perfect because no one is, by the way. Your pediatrician is not perfect. Your neurologist is not perfect. Your therapist is not perfect. And so it's like, well, they're just showing up and trying a little bit. Maybe I could show up and try a little bit too.
0: Oh, my gosh. And I think this is so relevant to what we're going to talk about today what we're going to share today. Um, yes. Because we're talking about miscarriage, pregnancy loss, and I know that – when I experienced my pregnancy loss, shame like perked up in the back seat and jumped in the front seat and, you know, really, really whispered things in my ear that were really, really painful. And, but the shame also whispered like, you know, you're you're crazy for having these thoughts. You're there's something wrong with you for feeling this intensely about it. And oh my gosh, there's totally a backstory to like why I might think that my feelings are too big or why I'm why my reactions too much. And so I was like, well, no one else really talks about these about this sort of loss. And so um, like shame whispered, keep that hidden. Like you know, like stay alone in those feelings, you know? And oh my gosh, it's the opposite of what I needed. And so what I've been so, um, what's been so powerful for me actually with you, Kristen, is when you went through your pregnancy loss and we were connected during that time, um, there were, there were many, many moments where you were like grateful for the support that I was offering, but I, I don't, I think I shared with you. And if I didn't, I'm going to share it with you now. Like showing up for you was also a huge part of my healing journey because it was like, in some ways, this, like, these are the things that I really needed to hear and I'm sharing them with you. And there's that little, there's that version of myself, right. (laughs) Um, from years ago that, that needed, that needed that support that needed that warmth. And so, it's part of my healing journey too. And now, oh, now we're great. sharing this conversation with others and that's part of it too. So for the listener, like you're in this with us, like you yes. are, whatever you gain from this conversation, like the fact that you're being a witness to our story means so much to both of us. I think I can speak for both of us. in that
1: Yeah. Sense. Well, and that time, I mean, I can't, I've told you this before, but I, I, and I'm probably going to cry throughout this whole podcast, which is great because crying is healthy. Um, but I I truly, uh, I'm going to cry. Whew, I truly would have had such a different experience had it not been for you specifically. There were, I want to say, eight or nine or ten people who kind of came out of the woodwork in very separate areas of life. You know, we had obviously spoken before. We've communicated but it it obviously elevated. Right. And that was very similar with the other women who came to me as well in that time of my life. If somebody, maybe I was very close with them, or maybe I wasn't at all. Maybe I didn't even know them. I've never even met them in real life. Um, but you specifically, um, gosh, you just gave, you gave me permission in every single thing that I was feeling every absolutely crazy thought that I was having that I couldn't tell anyone. I mean, I was ashamed to tell my therapist some of the thoughts I was having, you know, um, my husband even. uh, Mm -hmm. And you just, you you knew exactly what to say and do, which was wild. Um, Maybe it was just for me, but... I just hope everyone has one like you, because I just, you know, there, I also, I also want to say I didn't share in, in real time. So mm. I tend to share everything kind of like five days later. That's just how we do it. Security. You know, you don't want to be like, yeah, at Disneyland, whatever. Five days later is just how we do everything. Yeah. And those five days, you know, I didn't have you and I didn't have anyone. I had my husband, oh my I had Dina who is amazing and was phenomenal and a rock, but had never had a miscarriage yeah. before. Neither had my husband. And those, you know, I think of how many women spend the entirety of their miscarriage grieving process in those five days that I did, because those were five of the darkest days being alone, in silence, in shame, not sleeping, not speaking, not having the you, (laughs) the Cassidy. Um, I, I can't even imagine my experience without you. Truly, I can't.
0: Oh my gosh! Okay, we're gonna, this is gonna be. Okay. A...
1: we're just gonna cry the whole time.
0: We're just okay. Cry. I hope everything. We're it's all okay. gonna cry. We're gonna okay the feeling. <laughs> like run off.
1: Okay. okay to cry.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> ah, okay. So, Kristen, um, for for those who are listening, um, I want to like I want to like bring them up to speed a little bit. You know, like you and I have like been through this like together, like the the really dark, the really dark parts, the really like hopeful parts and I wanna bring our listener like up to speed with us and like scooch them in right 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 next to us and all of this. And so um I would love for I love to give you a chance to share with our listener the parts of your pregnancy loss story that you feel ready to share um yeah. in this way. And yeah, just wherever wherever that kind of story starts for you. I know that a lot of times when it comes to loss or something that's that's um that was intense or traumatizing, a lot of times our brain tends to store those memories almost like movie scenes or chapters. Um, And so I don't know if that resonates for you, but whatever parts you feel um, ready or prepared to share with us today, um, I'd love to bring our listener along.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, you know, I have um, two kids. I have two beautiful little girls. And, um, the first one was a honeymoon baby. Thought we hit the jackpot. We first try, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. second baby took a year. We had seen a fertility doctor and luckily then we got pregnant right after we saw the fertility doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then, you know, once we started trying for the third baby, once we were ready, um, it was taking a long time again. So we went to the fertility doctor. Uh, and we were I was told actually I should say I was told that my um gosh, I'm trying to even think of the words. I'm probably blocking it out. Yeah. I was told basically that my egg quality is not great. Um, mm-hmm. and neither is my egg count, right? And so it's gonna make it pretty challenging. So that it's not impossible, but to get pregnant, it will probably take a year or so or more you know of trying um, and then there's no guarantee there obviously right because the quality is low as well yeah um, and so we we signed up sort of for IVF we signed the contract and we were going to continue trying before we were going to have our egg retrieval and so the same thing happened as the last time which is we signed up for IVF we were ready to go we we knew we were going to do it, and the month before we were going to do the egg retrieval, we got pregnant. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, I was I was obviously through the moon. I was so relieved. I was sobbing. Um, just what great timing it was! Just so exciting. Yeah.
0: Um. So can you know, I talk, can I in with yeah. you on something? Like as you're kind of talking, yes. um, where my like mind kind of like stuck for a moment was this like this word, this like idea, like. Um, the quality of your eggs and like yeah we can talk
1: all about that shame of
0: that like what does
1: that even
0: like what does that even mean and like how does that how does your brain like make sense of like the quality of my eggs like what does that even mean for you as a human being
1: uh-huh, that was you know that's that's a that's a can I swear on this podcast yes yeah, oh, Mark okay. <laughs>
0: okay
1: great uh that was definitely a mind fuck you know yeah. it definitely was, and um it's so interesting because it it can apply to miscarriage too the thing that you would never think about another human being ever you would never think that it's somebody's fault or it's this or it's that, but to yourself, gosh, that just comes right in mm-hmm. where it's like not only. I am bad. I am a piece of shit. I am a bop, bop, bop. So those am statements, but also the guilt of what did I do? I, I've gained weight during COVID. I, I'm drinking too much right now. I'm eating unhealthy. I'm too stressed. The stress one, both fertility and miscarriage is like rampant, right? So yeah, it was a mindfuck to, to have that sort of like, I'm less worthy. I'm less of a woman, that whole debacle in the brain.
0: All the things, not good. Not just want to just want to name it, like before before we even like enter the next, yes. next the next chapter, like that. Yes. The, 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 the the word the, quali- the quality. So what's what's mm-hmm. the opposite? If I don't have quality eggs, yeah. are low quality? Are they low quality? Yeah. Are they bad? Is there yeah. badness inside of me? Have I done totally. things bad? All <laughs> okay. Yes.
1: Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, so, uh, I distinctly remember getting the phone call of the first HCG level because I was in the fertility clinic anyways. So I was able to have testing done sort of right away. Whereas a sort of traditional pregnancy, I wouldn't have known anything was really coming, but because I was in the fertility clinic, we did the HCG testing. I got the phone call and it was a sky high number and i remember i told my therapist i told my best friend i told dina i told everybody and this is it's just so sad now in retrospect but i told everyone i was like ah i was like this has been such a hard year and a half two years this has been so fucking hard and it's all turning around like we did it like this number is so sky high and i'm get like i'm getting what i what i what i deserve what i want what i you know we we're here we did it right um, and then, of course, two days later, that's when the second number comes back. It's supposed to double um and it did not even come close to doubling yeah, and um, I was on an airplane, uh going to go to a photo shoot for big little feelings. We were on an airplane, I was next to Dina. I got the phone call i this is really random, too, but I distinctly remember the stewardess being like very, very uh not rude, but I'll just say rude. She's very rude. Yeah. She's like, you have to get off your phone, ma'am. And I was like, okay. You know, some people pleaser. And Dina's like, she's like, she needs a minute. She needs a minute. I'm so, you know? sorry,
0: I'm like, I'm so sorry to bother you. It's well, just that
1: I might I'm, be having a, I don't know. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. Isn't it uh, so interesting what our brain tends to, and this is also how really intense experiences and in trauma works, right? It's like our brain latches on to certain parts of, yes. of the experience. Right. And like, yes. I, I, it's, I think it's, it's, it's important to note that like in that moment when you're getting this news, you were met with something that felt like I'm inconveniencing you. I'm doing Mm -hmm. something wrong. I'm, but I also have all these feelings and can I, and I just fucking love that Dina was like, like, you know, (laughs) I think we all need that. Like I think about like I'm such a visual person. Like in that moment, like there was something going on and this, and again, like she didn't know, right? It's not, this isn't the stewardess fault, but like. No idea. It's she had no idea. She was just doing her job. But like in that moment, yeah. Dina stood in front of you and was like, yeah, like, no, like, hold yeah. on. Like, yeah. That protector. Oof.
1: Well, and you know what, though? You also remember on the opposite, which is why I, mm-hmm. I, I am a people pleaser, but I also have been th- through some things in my life. So I distinctly remember right after my dad died, when I was driving down the street, I obviously was not driving in a way that was great for somebody from Los Angeles who's right behind me. So they honked at me and flipped me off as they went around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that same... The, I am a people pleaser, but I also just, you never know what someone is going through at any moment. And so in this, also in this scenario, I, when I went back for my blood work, um, they were closing, there was this whole thing, they were closing and it was this and that, and long story short, they weren't going to take me for the blood work. And I needed the blood work to be able to get progesterone or get whatever it might be to kind of stop this miscarriage. So I blurted it out and I start crying in the urgent care waiting room. And there was this really kind woman who like came over, rubbed my back. She's like, is it okay if I rub your back? You know, I'm going to cry. But you, you remember the stewardess, but you also remember the random stranger in the urgent care waiting room, Hmm. you know, kindness, just Oh, people say it, but it really, it, it, those memories, like you said, it just, it's like a core memory that you'll have for the rest of your life.
0: And Kristen, one way or the other. you've, I know, I know, because I know you that you've done EMDR um, yes. and that you've done work to process this. And I know I'm jumping, but like, I just want to yeah. name for like the listener right now that like sometimes, um, cause I'm an EMDR therapist. I do EMDR with folks and I've had EMDR done on me actually doing EMDR to process, um, Several losses um, that I was that I've experienced made me be, get trained in EMDR because so I was like, "Oh shit, this the is the so best." Powerful. Yes. Um, I need this tool to support folks. But like sometimes yes. in EMDR, what happens is like sometimes with trauma, what happens is that our brain is so is so focused on keeping us safe, and it just it will it will highlight and it'll focus on the parts of the experience that feel like the biggest threats. And, yes. then, and then it, and then it there's other parts of the story right like that like for instance in my in my pregnancy loss when i had uh, my dnc um, i didn't like it was hard for me to recall this at the time but through work i was able to recall the warmth of my provider's hand mm. um, and him looking in my eyes as i went under right and like that yeah. otherwise everything else previously everything else felt cold felt sterile felt um yeah like alone and i wasn't i wasn't though alone in that moment and I, it was hard for me to remember those parts right yeah. um so if someone's listening and they're like there was like i'm only stuck in the like sterile aloneness like threats trauma the bad things that happened like i was there too And all just sat with all the badness, like the brokenness, the like alone. And you know,
1: the other part that's so relevant because it's, you're exactly right. It's like your brain can get stuck on one part when a trauma happens. And my go to in anything that is difficult in life, which I'm not proud of, is this like seething. Anger and like what someone has done to me or something. I always go there no matter what, no matter how little or big it is, that's always gonna be my first reaction.
0: As a mom to three, my partner and I find that one of the biggest struggles we have faced in our relationship is navigating sharing responsibilities and the mental load. And I know that we're not alone because this shows up with all of my clients. And in every podcast episode, the mental load of parenting shows up in some way or another. Enter the scene, coexist. Coexist is the app that's revolutionizing how couples manage the mental load of household tasks and childcare. It's like having a personal assistant right in your pocket, helping you and your partner effortlessly share tasks, plan meals, collaborate on lists, and even give each other kudos along the way. Here's the cherry on top. For my amazing community, Coexist is offering an exclusive deal. Sign up for a two-week free trial before June 15th, and you'll get 15% off the annual plan on iOS with the code DRCASSIDY15. So what are you waiting for? Really take that first step towards a more harmonious home life today. Download Coexist on Android or iOS at getcoexist.com.
1: Um, and so, when I, right after the miscarriage, I was really stuck on the emergency room and the workers who were in the emergency room and how sterile it was. Mm-hmm. And we'll get there. I'll, I'll tell the story about how I was waiting there for five hours, even though the ultrasound was five hours before. So they knew right away. They wouldn't tell me anything. No one spoke to me. No one, any, I, I until EMDR. I couldn't even process the loss of the baby or, like you are saying, any good parts or, or people who were there or, you know, the warm and the fuzzy because my body was stuck in this, in this rage of how I was, quote unquote, treated in the ER, which realistically, they were just trying to, you know, they're saving lives. That's what they're there for. That's realistic. But, you know, it was just the part that was stuck was sort of that trauma of being in that white room, sterile, no one looking at me, no one talking to me. You know, that was really, until EMDR, I could not process anything else because I was just, my brain stuck. It's just stuck there over and over. That's the story over and over.
0: That's what it feels like. That's what it looks like. And
1: I love EMDR.
0: Oh my gosh. It's, it's is life-changing. So freaking powerful. And I'll, I'll link resources below where folks can like go listen to things or read things, like learn more about that approach in particular. But um, yeah, I just wanted to, like, I just wanted to interject that because I know that, yeah. like, as you're retelling the story, you've done work that has allowed you to yes. tell the story in the way that you are. And I want the listener to, to have that context. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Absolutely.
1: so much EMDR. <sighs> yes. Okay. So we got, we got the numbers. They were not good. I went to Los Angeles Um, I was stressed the whole time because, uh, the nurse said, just try to relax and don't stress and don't put your body through too much. And I'm like, well, first of all, you just told me, you know, my numbers suck. I might be having a miscarriage. So I'm obviously going to (laughs) stress. And second of all, I'm here for work. You know, I'm about to go do a 12 hour photo shoot. So that mix of guilt and whatever, that was a whole different story. Um, come back and it was just a roller coaster for me personally. I think this is what's so interesting about pregnancy loss is every story is, is just so different. And you just absolutely are not prepared for it to look so different. You just think it's one way and it's not, it just rocks you. So when we got back, we did an ultrasound. Um, They didn't want to do more blood work, because I guess at this point, it wouldn't have shown too much. We do an ultrasound and everything looks great. The baby is not even behind a little bit. The heartbeat is not weak. Uh, Everything looks amazing. My doctor tells me that I'm back into the camp of, you know, we wouldn't say it's a hundred percent in the clear because now you're just back into one in four territory. Like it doesn't look any more alarming now than any other pregnancy.
0: Um so there's that's so like what the fuck? fuck yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and what the fuck mixed with that. Yeah, <laughs> so it was it was hard. Um and you know I think it was then uh maybe two weeks after that or or a week, whatever it was, went back for another ultrasound just because we're obviously keeping a close eye on it. Everything looks great, nothing is wrong, everything looks amazing. We got to hear the heartbeat, um, and then and then it was just whew, came home and I started cramping, which I know is very normal after an ultrasound. Um, but then that's that's when it happened. And I I don't know how explicit we want to be, but you know, going into the bathroom, I think a lot of women have been there. And
0: I just want to bump in, I want you, I I give you permi- I I like not that you need my permission, but like I give you permission yeah. to be as explicit as you feel ready Thank and comfortable you. to be, because I think that like. It is. It is. It's an explicit experience. Like true. True. Very.
1: Not. Yeah. It's very uh, graphic, or not. You know. <laughs> um, yeah. So that. So my. They, luckily, my kids were watching TV. I. You know. It. The whole trauma of of that whole experience too, where you know I'm screaming for my husband and he runs up and we don't know if it's happening or if it's not happening, um, and you know. Gosh, I think so many of us, according to my DMs too, are just uh, traumatized from the bathroom. <laughs> like we literally still cannot go to a bathroom. It's,
0: yeah, I don't. It's I don't
1: know. It's, about...
0: it's what happens in the bathroom. It's what happens yeah. in that shower. It's what right. you see. Right. It's the yeah. sensations. It's yeah. the, the sound. The light sounds. It's the light. It's the Ooh. the noises that are coming out of your body. There's so what was happening around you.
1: Yep. Yep. And that's what I EMDRed also, you know, once I could get past the hospital, then it was really that experience of being in the bathroom, the blood, you know, um, not being sure also, because I think this is such a big part of it is, is, is I was never told we're, we're sort of told one in four pregnancies can end in miscarriage generally, although I've never heard that, you know, you don't get like a pamphlet (laughs) at the first appointment, um, because you don't want it to happen. So you don't want to wish it into existence, but absolutely no one told me what it would look like. And then what it would look like to know that it was so long, you know, it was the first wave. And then the second wave, it really did happen. And the baby really did come out and I, you know, scooped it out just to see and put it in a cup. And I still wasn't sure. I, did not call my doctor because I no one told me what you're supposed to do. I was like, "Do I am I supposed to go to the emergency room? Do I not go to the emergency room? Do I call a doctor? Do I not call a doctor? I had no fucking idea what to do in that moment. I took a picture and sent it to Dina because she was okay with me doing that. And she didn't know either. You know, we're Googling. I mean, it was just, uh, it was just, I, I kind of wish I had a little more knowledge, you know, of what to expect and what to do. Like, what do you do? So I did end up going to the emergency room only because I was, uh, bleeding so much. So they did tell me once I did call, they told me, you know, if you fill this many pads, X, Y, Z, that's why I ended up going to the emergency room after that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you get to the emergency room. Um, and there's so, there's so much else that's happening. Amidst this, right? You have two two other kids. Yep. Um, right you're trying
1: to figure out who who's gonna watch them. What are you doing? Yeah. And
0: Absolutely. like you're going through something that's incredibly traumatic and intense and physical. Um, and and I don't know if this was the case for you. I know that for me part of what was really um part of like part of the trauma that I found myself, there was there was bathroom moments and there was um, and there was the DNC, and then there was also like a really intense moment for me when we found out that there was no heartbeat because we found out at a doctor's visit after a little bit of spotting. And it was having my my oldest, having my daughter in the room, and her voice mm-hmm. as they pulled up the ultrasound screen. And clearly, there was no flutter of the heartbeat, which we had seen at the last visit. It was clear that the there was still it was just it was stillness, right? Stillness and like. Clearly hadn't um, – the fetus had not grown um, as you would imagine it would have. And it was like my daughter my daughter saying over and over again, like, where's the heartbeat? Where's the heartbeat? Oof. And like in her little toddler voice, so oh, where's, heart, where's the heartbeat? And like that little voice was – and then my, my husband like taking her out of the room and just like – and her starting to like tantrum because she's like, why are you like taking me out? And just yeah. feeling like – her pain and like letting her down, and like the dis and just and just that that sound the the sounds of it are just like really stuck with me. Um, so it's like there's yes. other little people involved, right? Yes. Like for in in your case, um, yep. And just you're still a mom losing <laughs> a child and or losing a pregnancy, and it's like, what the f- like, it just it's so fucked up in like so many ways, <laughs> like.
1: Yeah. It really was. It really was. I'm with you. I'm with you. It feels... Uh, that letdown piece, because I don't know about your child, but mine was so excited, and all she wanted was a baby. And, you know, we obviously also wanted the baby and that piece. But then also, yeah, how do you, how do you even be a mom when you're going through not only the physical changes, by the way, after a miscarriage, but then the emotional, it was, it was fucked up. You know, that, yeah. that was the fucked up part. Yeah. It really was. It really was.
0: Yeah. And this piece that you named here of just like not knowing what to do because and like, mm-hmm. and you said this, you said, you know, you don't get a pamphlet and people don't really like talk to you about it. And, and, and then you said, it was so interesting. And you don't want to wish it into existence. And I think mm-hmm. that like there is really something there that like, Our anxiety kind of, you know, takes hold a little bit and it's like, well, I can't – I'm not going to think about it. Because yep. then I'll stress about it, and like we know, stress isn't good. it's almost like you know, the same thing, like the nurse telling you, like, so don't stress. And it's like, yeah, oh. <laughs> You're like okay, great, <laughs> yes, um, I'll I will turn that button on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah. but the thing is, is like we we need to we need to, information, we need to be yeah. talking about these things because. Yeah. Like if you're going through it and you didn't even know what to expect, then you're gonna and you don't know what to do next like then yes. that that just adds to how traumatizing that can be, right,
1: well, and you know what and not only just for you, but I feel like just societally, what do we do when a woman has a miscarriage so mm. I, I wish I knew, of course, like, should I go to the ER? That was honestly a traumatizing part. I had no idea what yeah. to do. I had no idea if it really did happen or not. Baby was inside of me or not. I mean, just traumatizing. But also, you know, when someone dies in the world... We have this whole system down. There is a funeral. The person is grieving who was the closest, whether that's their wife or their daughter or whoever it may be. There's probably somebody sending childcare over, coming over to watch the kids if they have kids. There's meal trains. There's flowers. There's a certain protocol that you follow if somebody has surgery. You know, there's all these different layers. If you have a new baby, you know, it can be a good thing too. If you have a new baby you still get flowers, you still get the meal train, there's sort of this protocol that other people also know what to do for you. Even if you don't have to ask, right. You're not going to say, Hey neighbor, can you make me a casserole? Because, you know, I mean, some you should, I mean, you absolutely should, but (laughs) like, you know, it generally is, is sort of known that that's, you know, sometimes what happens. And that is what I think is so, so, so fucking missing here because it is women and birthing people going into work two hours after they've had a miscarriage it is them taking care of their kids all day long it is you know making dinner making lunches doing the same thing as if nothing at all had happened there is no support there is no grieving process there is no community that lifts you up Um, and i did have that which is wild and i never had that actually after the, the two births of my my kids because we don't have family nearby We were just kind of on our own. We've always been on our own. This is the first time that I've felt – and I've also also kept everything really to myself, which seems surprising considering our social media now. But I am an introvert. I don't – I am a people pleaser. I don't like to bother people. So I'm always like, no, 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 please don't. But this this time, because I shared it so publicly – there, there were meals, there were groceries, there was Dina sent over her babysitter who was literally at her house, you know, for, I would just stay in bed. I had never even tried a babysitter before that moment. And she came over like five days in a row, because I just needed to grieve. Um, Mm. So yeah, yeah, that that piece too, where no one knows what to do. No one knows what to do.
0: No, you're right. There isn't this like, it's it's such a it can be such a silent loss um and such a and people don't know what to do or what to say and there can be lots of things that are said that are unhelpful um which we can we can talk about in a bit but it's I know that um I think the the ritual component of it can be Mm. such a important piece that I think can be also really confusing because what does that look like in in this mm-hmm. situation? And every every person's um, story and and needs around rituals can look really different. And yep. for for us, it it just came spontaneously in the sense that it was like a few weeks after the loss, and we were watching. Um, I was watching. We were watching Sesame Street um, with. My daughter and there was this episode where Elmo makes a butterfly friend, and then the butterfly like flies away, and Elmo's feeling like really sad about like why the butterfly like leaves. And I swear we had seen this episode before, but my daughter started crying, and she was just like crying really hard and like whimpering, like "Where did the butterfly go? Where did the butterfly go?" And I was like confused. And I was like, oh, like, you know, okay the feeling and like scooped her up. And I'm like, I know. And then it just like this like wave of feeling came over me of like, I know I miss the butterfly too. And like I started crying. She's crying. Like we needed, I needed that release with her. Um, And then as, as toddlers do, she looked up to me, she's like, I'm the butterfly. And then she went and got like her little like she had like little wings and she started like playing. Um, but it just became and like, you know, she so she kind of runs off. And I just remember like sitting there just in this like in this like I needed, I needed to I needed to release that. I needed to release it with with her, you know, um, to grieve together of like the butterflies – where did the butterfly go? The butterfly – I miss the butterfly too. And then it became a symbol for us. So when we're out and about and there's a butterfly that floats by and I know that like – and there's moments where I was like, oh my gosh, that's so like standard butterfly symbol. And I was like, screw that. I'm owning it. It's ours. Yes. And we had this moment. Um, and it's still something. Like my daughter's almost 11 now and like if we're outside and like there's a butterfly – you know, she'll, she'll look at me and she's like, you thinking about it? I'm like, I'm thinking about it. And it's just like, it's just this thing. Um, and I think that, you know, sometimes symbols can come spontaneously. Sometimes symbols are offered to us. I know folks who have like plant, like planted, um, a flower or a tree in their yard or have had some sort of burial service. Um, with what and bury whatever it is that feels most meaningful for them to bury, um, and so there's there's so many different ways in which we can make meaning of the experience. But oh my gosh, do not rush me in my making meaning of my experience because some things that some people will say, like everything happens for a reason, or all of the at least the silver line, the people trying mm-hmm. to put the silver lining around it, like. I know that it it oftentimes comes from heart, goodness, like they're they're trying to support, but maybe also they just don't want the pain to be there anymore Um, and or just not knowing what else to say, right? Um, But oh my gosh, like if – like absolutely, like have I made meaning of my loss? I wouldn't have my son um, and I can't imagine my life without him. Um, But – I will punch you in the face if you try to rush me. <laughs> no, I do not condone violence, but like, I will, like, I will, like, I'm people please are like, I'm so sorry. I but like, I will metaphorically, you know, punch you in the face if you try to rush me to make that meaning. Cause like you, like, I need the time and the space to get there, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's also what's so interesting when it comes to pregnancy loss is how different everybody really does feel and react and, and when they are ready or when they are not ready. Um, and it, I think it makes the other person feel badly about it, no matter which way you go. Um, where I very obviously was, was rocked and I was wrecked by this. Um, and I had a very close friend who, um, Rachel from Big Picture Play, she's amazing, but she experienced a miscarriage at the same time. She was struggling with fertility too. We were both rocked. But then I knew other people who had experienced pregnancy loss, and their reaction was very Mm. well, I didn't really want it anyways. This was meant, this is fine, this is actually better, this is good. And there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with either way of of yeah. the way we did it, or even just in terms of Rachel was ready to get right back on that horse. So two weeks later, you know, she's back in there. She's doing her IUI. She got pregnant right away with the next one. Um, I know other people who've done that too. And I just remember being like, I, I, I remember, and this might be TMI, but that's what we're here for. But I remember feeling the pressure because there's there is a statistic that the month right after a miscarriage or more fertile. And obviously I'm struggling with infertility anyways. So I'm like, well, am I going to fuck this up? I've already fucked everything else. You know, it's really bad thinking of (laughs) why to do it. And, um, I just remember us, us trying one time and it was, it was, and I, this is another topic that I wish more people talked about. It was honestly so traumatic. Oh, (sighs) But you know, it was a traumatic experience because I was very clearly not ready. So much had happened Down there, it's almost like birth, if you will, postpartum. I was not ready mentally, physically, emotionally at all. Um, And my husband was very sweet, obviously. And obviously, we just stopped right away. But it's just, you know, everyone's experience is just so different. You know, do you? Is it? Did did it rock you? Did it not rock you? Some people might just need to push it down or not address it. Some people don't want to tell anyone. Some people want to tell a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Some people are ready to go right away, and some people, I just remember thinking, like, I, I, oh, this was another part, is, um, I just kept remember thinking in the moment that I don't want another baby, I want this baby, like, this is the baby that I want, I want to go find that baby, you know, because we did do that little burial that you gave me permission to do, actually, it was your idea, Um, I wanted to find that baby and like dig it up and put it back inside of me. Like I did not want to have another baby. I wanted this baby. Um, And that took a long time and I got there, you know, but it, it didn't need to be rushed. I needed to get there. I thought it would never come and it did come. I felt ready to have a try for a different baby, you know?
0: I thank you. Thank you so much for, um, Thank you, for Kristen, for doing the work that made you feel ready to share the parts that you're sharing, right? Because um, so many things that you just named are the things that happen in our heads or behind closed doors that make us just feel – like that that just can bring so much shame and aloneness and like what is wrong with (laughs) me-ness, like the first time that you have sex after pregnancy loss or – the feeling, the like visceral, um, like animalistic feelings mm. that come up when you – like I remember when we knew that, that the heart had stopped and there was like a couple days before we had the DNC to have the baby removed, just like not wanting them to take the baby out and at the same time yes. wanting it – Want, like like the idea that there was that the, my child was inside of me and like wanting it out of me because it was and and like wanting to hold it and it was just this like very um and like it was just very visceral um of this like desire to have that child back with me in me but also like this like feeling like it was um it needed to be out of me because that's where it would have where I could hold – I don't know. It was – I can't even put it into words. But it was oh, just it. The, the needs and the thoughts in my head. Um, I know I know someone who shared with me once that after um, they buried their child, um, the first time that it rained, like knowing oh, that yes. it, it's out. It's – I can't mm-hmm. – that it's, it's out there um, mm-hmm. and not, not with me where it's yeah. warm. And it's just – there's so okay, Whew, we're naming it. Um, Kristen, what has been, what has been supportive for you in in being able to not just process? I know you. I know we named EMDR, but to also like reclaim, reclaim that that child, like in your life now, right? Does that, does that make sense? Like, I I think, I think because we're talking about this, like, I need this child back in my body. I need like this, this, this separation, this loss, like how, what have been some of the, the really meaningful ways in which you have, um, integrated this experience into your family and into your life now?
1: Yeah. Um, I think EMGR was the biggest one. It was definitely the biggest one um y- again your sort of not permission i don't say permission but i thought i was just overreacting or do normal people do this um of instead of having and this is kind of gross but the the baby was in a cup in my closet because i thought normal people quote unquote would just flush it down the toilet and i couldn't do that i was like yeah. googling what do you do with it um and so when i say your permission it was just it did give me permission to have a sort of burial and go down where the sunflowers were with my husband and just yeah. stop. We just cried. We just, you know, we have two kids. So he wasn't able to come to the hospital with me either, by the way. So we had not had one moment, you know, together to be able to do something like this. Cause we have our kids around. I was alone at the hospital. Um, that moment really did, did help so much having the sort of quote unquote burial, the quote unquote goodbye, beautiful flowers, you know, having Mm -hmm. a video of the flowers with the sunset, it really was very Mm -hmm. healing. Um, and then the only other thing I think that helped and by helped, I mean, I'm still, you know, I still struggle with anxiety in this pregnancy. So we are not a hundred percent there, but, um, really allowing myself to fully, grieve and it took me months it took me months if not longer to really fully grieve there was such a long period of time that I instinctually it's even not even my personality I am actually like a relaxer I am a an avid napper I am not a go-getter you know like I really I'm very chill but for some reason after this miscarriage I was like You got to go, 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 go. I took the kids to the beach on a three mile walk the day after. Physically, you can't even, you can't even do that physically. Like it was, I, you know, and I, I just, for a long time, for about a month after it, I would go into offices. I would go into all these places and I felt like I was about to pass out. I was having panic attacks, which I hadn't had in 10 years. I mean, I thought I was dying. So long story short is, is, is after a lot of running from it, even Mm -hmm. though I know Feelings are okay. Even though I know you need to process it, my body wasn't letting me do it. Mm. And so it took months then of me then after that, giving myself permission to say, this was a baby that I lost and I missed it and I am grieving it. And I'm going to let myself grieve now. That was the only way through. It was the only way through was to do it.
0: Mm. It's so interesting. I, I did the same thing. Like, it's like, oof, that, that's something to unpack. Like, why why we do this. But like, I remember going to the zoo, like, way too soon. And like, this was before, like, San Diego Zoo had some, like, really great bridges. <laughs> but like, it was before that. So there was just like a giant hill. I remember pushing my daughter up the hill and I'm bleeding. And like, I need to I like for sure I need to change my pad but there's no bathrooms around I'm pushing up the hill and I'm crying as I'm like yeah. pushing up my child like there's like there's a metaphor there of like <laughs> I
1: literally did the same thing at the beach it's a hill it's a literal <laughs> fucking hill i did the same thing crying bleeding up the hill and almost passing out yeah like
0: in some ways i think i felt so disconnected this is just one layer of it there's many many metaphors probably to unpack that in that but like i think um of like the aloneness because i went alone like you know of like feeling like i need to like push and i need to like hold my 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 child up and everyone else up like while i am like suffering but like also Uh i felt so disconnected from my body and Mm -hmm. so like my body i didn't I just felt like I was floating and like just not rooted in my own body that like yep. almost like pushing myself to like like to feel like to to feel something you know like oh, I don't yeah. know like to yeah. even though it was not as opposite of what I needed but like I needed yeah. I almost like needed I don't know maybe there was also like punishment in there like I think That's that what I was, was going to
1: say. I think mine was very much so like Fuck this body. It doesn't deserve anything. So, you know, like punish it. It didn't do anything. Like, it doesn't matter. I hear you, body. I don't give a shit. You know, (laughs) like you didn't do your job. So unfortunately- we're gonna keep going. You know, it, there was no permission granted to yep. take care of it at all. I you know so many people so also
0: like eating after a pregnancy loss. It's like it feels mm-hmm. like they are forced. They force themselves to like. There's no enjoyment yes. in eating, or there can yes. be restricting. Oh my gosh, so much, oh my gosh. so much stuff. Um, EMDR like and therapy and support and um, symbols and rituals and knowing that like you're not alone in this and you deserve to find the people who have earned the right to be in that space with you, to share all yeah. the things with, the graphic, all of it. Um, and and that what you named here that like grief isn't like a destination. Like you don't just like get to a point when you're like, oh, I'm, I'm done now. Yeah. But, but that was the biggest. That
1: was a process. Honestly, I took one week off of work of big little feelings. I took one week off and I just remember being like, that's it. Like, that's my, I, I get, you know, like that's my time, time's up, you know, like oh. let's go most. And I just kept saying like, most people don't even get this. Most people mm-hmm. have to go back, yeah. which is true, which is horrific. But I remember being like, "Well, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna feel this for one week, and then like back on the horse." <laughs> and it didn't really work like that. Oh
0: my gosh! No, it's not how it works. That's not that's not how grief works. And like and I think, <laughs> you know, there's these these stages of grief, right? That people talk about. There's the denial. There's anger. Sadness. Um, and it's like, it doesn't go, lin- it's not linear, right? Like it goes no. from here to there. And then there's an added stage of grief that um, uh, my colleague Claire Bidwell Smith always talks about. There's this added stage of anxiety that people don't talk about, like the anxiety mm-hmm. stage. And like when, like how that changes subsequent pregnancies, if that's part of your journey, which it was for both mm-hmm. of us. And you just, it changes things and it's not linear and it's not – there's not a destination. It moves. It evolves. um, And and you deserve support along the way. Like you do not – I just – if the listener takes anything from our conversation, I want it to be, oh my gosh, I didn't know that other people had those kind of thoughts or I also experienced these things and you feel maybe not in the exact same way but in your own way and that you're not alone. And maybe, maybe in that feeling of not being so aloneness, in that feeling um, of some sort of connection, that you also then have permission to take a step to open up to a natural support or to get professional support. Because, oh my gosh, do you deserve it? And you deserved it like yesterday. You don't need to right. do anything to earn that deservingness. You're just, you just are worthy of it. Like I with think you. so many
1: of us, it's like it's not a big deal to mm-hmm. us. That's what we, you know, it because no one talks about it and it's just part of it. And I was met with all those things Well, it's like, well, this happens to everybody. Well, just try again. Well, and so it can just feel like you, you're, you're, you're overreacting or you're dramatic to need to seek therapy for something like a miscarriage. I think a lot of us feel that way about labor and birth by the way. Right. I mean, that's a very common thing where it's like, well, this is part of it. This is what women do. This is what birth is. And it's like, you know, God, therapy and EMDR Mm. helps so much. Like just, you know, you deserve it, whether you think your experience warrants it or not. It does. It does. Just, just, it does.
0: And to just like make this link between what we're talking about here and the work that you do and the things that you, the courses that you have and the ways that you're trying to support parents and parenting is like, oh my gosh, I, the last thing I want is for my children to one day go through something and intense and then have this thought of like, uh, like I'm too much. Like my reaction and yeah. my like like my like I'm I'm too much or I'm not enough, right? I think it can like yeah. flip-flop between those two things. Um and the ways in which you are supporting parents in talking to their kids, in validating their feelings, in knowing that like, you know, they can like when they feel something in their body, like -hmm. They don't like they can trust that, right? That, like, I'm feeling this thing, or I need this thing, um, or I this doesn't feel right, so I'm going to set this boundary. Like, yes, I we want our child our children to know that they can, can get to continue to have wants and needs and that they can. They can sit, they can, when they feel something, that's yeah. a, not an indicator of them being too much or too dramatic or, oh, you have those feelings, go in your room and like come back out when you have a smile on your Suck face it up. and just like, yep. yeah, that look like, like- off
1: your face. <laughs> yep. A hundred percent, a hundred percent.
0: Oh. Full circle. Well, the last thing that I want to just like name, I know we're going to wrap up here, but um, we didn't get a chance to dive deep into this. But like a big part of my healing journey too was couples therapy Mm. because my partner and I like navigated this loss very differently. Um, I mean, you know, in like – in the trenches, right? Like in the trenches of like the DNC, like he was like so there, so supportive, like – oh my gosh, like one of my EMDR memories that like I like had lost but then reclaimed that actually like brought – because my, my husband and I like shared laughter as like one of our love languages and like there was this like moment like in the moment when I – they gave me this like um, thing that I was wearing that like had – it hooked up to something that like – looked like a vacuum but like it um, would pump in heat so that I could stay warm. And I remember when they brought when they brought the vacuum thing and they hooked it up, he looked at me, he's like, We're doing this now. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> no, we're not. But like the panic in his no. face of oh like, my oh my gosh. And like it's like it was like, it was, it's like it's like Kim and I have like this very like similar humor, like we will laugh about things that like probably like aren't funny to other people, but like yeah. we, we can like connect over it and like i we lo- i lost that memory amidst everything else but then i was able to reclaim it through the work of just like you know in this in this in this like really dark moment him and i were able to find each other again in a way that we oftentimes do which is like shoulder to shoulder like laughing about something that is just like so ridiculous and probably like shouldn't be funny but we can still laugh about it together um but then following that um we we navigated it really differently. Like he didn't really understand why I was still grieving and he wanted to, but it just, it was, I I felt, I, I felt alone and that really impacted our relationship. So couples therapy was a huge part of our healing too, because, you know, partners and partner relationships are impacted by this sort of experience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I I think we, my husband and I, it was a little different, but even also just support for your partner, even if couples therapy, isn't it? Because um, my partner and I, we at first reacted very differently. I distinctly remember it was the first day um, and we got Dina sent over her babysitter, which was amazing. And I'm in bed and it's physical, you know? I mean, physically you feel horrific. And I remember him being like, okay, I'm going to go test, uh, test drive some Range Rovers by, and that was like, we're not buying a Range Rover. Like, this is just for fun. Like he's just going, and I, it was his way of grieving, which I didn't know at the time. Um, you know, somebody else would probably be like, I'm going to the the sports bar with the boys or something. And you would be like, how the fuck are you going to go watch sports right now? You know what I mean? Like, what are you talking about? Um, luckily, that was his initial like shock reaction was he would he just kept doing all these really random fucking things instead of kind of like laying in bed grieving with me or, or whatever it is I thought he should do. Um, once we had then that little ceremony, which was only two days later, that little burial, that's when he let it all out and he was really affected by the miscarriage as well and so we were on the same page but I think what was really hard for him as a partner and I think this is very common is I'm physically recovering I can't get out of bed for you know the week even though I pushed right after (laughs) but I, I, I tried to physically recover I feel like I'm about to pass out all the time he has to take a lot of the physical load. He's stepping up with the kids. He's taking them to lunches when I'm the one who has to go cry in the bathroom for an hour. You know, the partner takes on a lot of responsibility. And I think they are also grieving, but they're trying to be strong. And that is really difficult. That's a very difficult place to be, to try to be the strong partner who's taking care of the household, taking care of you, But on the inside, they're grieving this loss too. So them having help when he got his own therapist, that's when it really turned for us.
0: Yeah. Thanks for naming that. And that's exactly what we had to get to, to like unpack. And like, again, like, that's why, like, I, I'm also, like, I've also got a son who like, I, like, full circle again, this is why we're parenting in these ways now. We Because we want, I want my, my son one day to be able to access, like, that part of him that, you know, is is feeling something in this too, um, and be able to connect to that and and hook himself from some of that toxic masculinity that's in the air that we're breathing in every day.
1: I'm gonna go drive a Range Rover, you know, in response to grief, for example.
0: Yep. Kristen, thank you. This was- Thank you. Like, again, just another part of my healing journey because it continues. Um and I'm so grateful to have been able to connect with you um just human to human but also through this experience and for your willingness to be open and share your story with us today. Um where can folks find you to continue to connect with you, Kristen?
1: Yeah, you can find me at Big Little Feelings on Instagram, biglittlefeelings.com if you want to check out our website. And you know, thank you for having me. This was great. Very um cathartic. I liked I loved it.
0: I love you, friend. I love you. um, I don't know. I'm just so grateful. And I I really hope that the listener um, leaves our conversation just feeling a little bit less alone. And as I said before, and I'll say again, to maybe take a step to get support because, oh my gosh, you deserve it. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air and go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned in to this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me, for sure, but also... Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.